Hi, fancy meeting you here. I'm Ashley Jansen. I'm a firewife, a boy mom, a dog mom, and a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. Life is often a beautiful mess, and in the midst of struggle, it's nice to know we're not alone. I hope to meet you where you are, providing hope and encouragement while giving you raw and authentic stories from my own life. I'm excited you're here. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Fancy Meeting You Here. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that um, is pretty uh, relatable. I think there's a lot of us that either uh, partake in this kind of behavior or we know someone who does or you've read about it, um, and that is the behavior of people-pleasing, um, and I love to talk about this because I feel like there's a huge group of us that this is the root of a lot of things in our life. Um, It's how we interact with other people mostly, right? Because that is particularly the focus, right? Pleasing other people. Um, But even more so, you know, in our, our friendships, in our work relationships, in our marriages, this can kind of start to wreak havoc um, and it starts to make us really unhealthy and builds resentment. And um, over time, you know, when we have this backlog of um, emotions that we have kept from leaking out, right? And I'll get to why that is in a second. Um, over time it builds up and eventually it's got to come out, right? And so um, it often transpires in in behaviors that are are reckless or, um, you know, destructive to relationships. And then that becomes something that's difficult for us to work through because now you've compounded hurt on hurt, Um And so that's kind of why I felt like, you know, I know there's a lot of information out there on people pleasing. Um, I'm always leery of certain websites or where the source of that is. Um, I think it needs to come. You will always hear me say like good sourced information um, from people who either, you know, have studied this particular subject or are well versed in uh, you know, therapy, counseling, um, psychology. I just, I think there's a richness when it comes from people who are educated. Um, and that doesn't mean that if you, um, didn't go to school for something that you, you know, couldn't speak on it. Um, but what I will say is so many of us in the psychological field have also had experiences, Um, and that's usually what leads us to study psychology or become therapists, um, is usually our own dark experiences. So, um, so anyways, I wanted to talk about people pleasing because it's just, I know I've struggled with it in the past and I can honestly tell you that I feel like, although that's something that I occasionally, you know, engage in because it's, it's part of who I am. It's part of, you know, the, the narrative that was kind of created, you know, when I was younger. Um, but you know, as an adult now it's gosh, things have changed so much. And I owe a lot of that to one time two having experiences of my own And three, doing the work, like doing my own work on myself. And, um, and I don't have any problems saying that because, you know, I, I want people when they come into my office to be open and to be, um, to not have shame around getting help or talking to someone. It's so cool to be able to talk through something with someone and not experience judgment and not experience, um, opinions or, you know, certain bents. So, uh, but this, this idea of people pleasing, I mean, gosh, it goes back so far in my world. Um, 
And usually, you know, whenever I have clients that come into the office, and I'll just say this for myself too, is that, you know, the way that we are typically comes from the environment, right? Our family of origin, the environment we grew up in. Um, and that it's not about pointing a finger or I have wonderful parents. Like I, I adore my parents. Are they perfect? No. Did they have perfect parents? No. And so the thing of it is, is that this isn't about pointing a finger or saying, well, this is where I was lacking or this is what happened. It's, it is what it is. And the goal is to look forward, obviously to acknowledge the past, but to look forward and stop patterns or, um, behaviors from continuing through generations. And so that's why I talk about this. And like I said, I love my parents and I think they did a great job. And, um, my siblings and I were, were all successful. We've all done really great things in our life so far. And a lot of that is because of their love and encouragement. Um, so anyways, so to keep that in mind, anytime a topic, anytime you talk about a topic, right? I am a therapist um, and just a person really who likes to get to the root of things. I don't like to, you know, to to gloss over something for the time being just to feel good in that moment. Um, I I really want to get to the root of things, and I believe wholeheartedly that if you don't do that things will rear its ugly head and they will come back and you will continuously be dealing with this and it will manifest in different ways or at different times. But to truly heal uh, your heart is to do the work, like really do the work. Um, So when it comes to people-pleasing, some of the attributes of a people-pleaser is somebody really who just fears negative emotion, right? So the behaviors, the actions, um, the lack of boundaries, all of that is, is in an effort to avoid negative emotions. So maybe that's avoiding anger or avoiding disappointment. Um, maybe there's a fear of rejection that you want to avoid. Maybe there are, um, perceived thoughts that you have about, you know, if you spoke up about something that you felt that would create, that would cause that person to leave, right? Or maybe they won't care anymore. Um, a fear of failing, right? That's a huge, gosh, I think so many of us people pleaser or not, um, fear of failing, right? Is a, is a difficult, um, thought to kind of, to overcome, there's a lot of us that feel that way. Now, where that's rooted, I mean, it's going to be different for everybody. Um, so people pleasers often have a difficult time saying no. When I said, you know, lacking boundaries, um, and if you listen to an episode um, that I did, um, of, gosh, it's probably been over a month, but um, a few episodes ago where I talk about boundaries, um, Being able to say yes to the right things and say no to the right things, like that's a huge indication of healthy boundaries. And when we're people pleasers, we don't, that's not on our radar, right? We're not assessing our own needs or our own desires in in those moments. Um, We are strictly focused on the other person or people, right? external from us. Um, and that gives us a gauge on, on how we're doing or who we are. If you really think about that, gosh, we're giving other people so much power over our own happiness. And that's why this is such an issue. Um, and that's, you know, just a little side, a side note is that, you know, you can go and Google people pleasing, and there's a lot of things that it'll say, like, People pleasers like to do nice things for other people and, and um, you know, are always willing to help. Those things aren't bad. Those things aren't negative until they are the, at the, like, to the detriment of your own self-esteem and your own discomfort, right? Because then you're lacking boundaries in that area. 
And so people pleasing, you know, is, it's not ideal being kind to people or being helpful. That's very different than people pleasing. And so as you're listening to this, you know, if you're a person that's always willing to help others because the intention behind it is, well, I just want to help people, right? I want you to evaluate that. Is, is what I'm trying to get out of this just so this person can feel good and like so that they can, you know, maybe they need help moving or right. So they can get X, Y, and Z done. Or is it deeper than that? And it's, I'm doing this thing because I need this person to respond in a certain way so that they're pleased with me so that they are, um, the emotion or the the reaction, right? The, it's, it's a positive experience for me. So I can walk away not feeling a sense of tension or conflict. And that's a really good um, measure or evaluation that you can do um, when I'll get to it later, but like when it's the application of practicing how to have healthy boundaries and how, what is people pleasing and what is, you know, helping someone out, um, being able to take a step back and, and think about what your intention is behind it. Um, so, but I'll, I'll review that, you know, later on in this, in this episode. Um, so like I said, typically people pleasers never say no, they're really agreeable. You'll be in a conversation with someone and, Maybe they're talking politics or maybe they're talking uh, about something that is is kind of a heavy topic um, and they're always agreeable. Um, For me, I have um, parts of my family um, and they're they're just very strong in what they believe. Um, and I learned early on that my quiet, more reserved self, it doesn't, it really doesn't match the, the powerful opinions that they've had. And so, you know, when we would get into conversations around certain topics, I would either hunker down and keep my mouth shut. And that's typically what I did. Or there were a handful of times where I, you know, felt this buildup of emotion or I actually had something that I wanted to share that maybe wasn't going to be a, um, it wasn't going to be a view of, you know, accepted by the, the masses of whoever was there at the time. And so, you know, then all of a sudden I'm, you know, not respectful or I'm not, um, you know, because, because probably the, the approach was me being upset or crying or angry. Um, and so there was not a safe space for me to share my opinion or share my observation. And so I learned, um, through many different stages of my life, many different circumstances that sometimes it's best to just hang back, right? Be, stay behind the scenes a little bit. Um, and that's why this podcast is so out of my comfort zone because it really is me divulging and processing and exploring, you know, just the inner workings of my world and, and, other people's, you know, experiences too, um, through my work. And so, um, but I learned at a, at a really young age that agreeable or being agreeable, it, it leaves you conflict free. And so it's just more comfortable that way. Um, and that it wasn't okay to share an opposing view. Right. Um, so I could talk about that. Uh, I just, I have a lot of feelings around that, obviously. Things that I have worked out. Um, so when I say I have a lot of feelings, it's just, it's so, it's so freeing to be able to, to share and talk about it. Um, and that's how I know that the healing has, has been done and the work has been done is because it doesn't, I don't have the same response that I used to have when I think about 
certain situations. Um, so people who are people pleasers tend to make all the plans and make all the arrangements. So this, again, I want you to think about what the intent behind it is. Um, and this isn't always the case. Um, but usually they are the people that are willing to um, kind of take charge a little bit or want to make schedules or structure. Um, I think that that sense of control gives us, it's kind of like a false bottom, but it, it gives us some reassurance that we're in good grace with the other people and that they might look at us and go, wow, like you did a great job, right? So then that obviously is feeding that need. Um, and for, for all of you who are listening, if any of you struggle with this, that need might look very different. Um, but it might go back to, right? Okay. So if I do these things, there's not going to be negative emotion. There is not going to be disappointment. I mean, there could be, but typically we, we, when we are good at, um, plans or arrangements, we're really good at it. Um, so it, it feeds, it feeds what we fear so that we don't fear them anymore. Um, we tend to, um, be really available to our friends and family. Um, again, this isn't a, well, I am, you know, I'm a good listener, so I, you know, make myself available. I make myself available to a limit. And that is the, um, that is the sign of having done the work. Um, I used to let people dump all over me as far as like sharing their problems or calling me or, um, being so available that, I take on the heaviness. I worry about people. I think about their circumstances. I, I think about that stuff all the time. And it's interesting that I find myself in a job where that is literally all I do. But I have learned through my job and just through um, doing my own work that I'm able to be there for people and I want to be there for people and love on them and be uh, someone who listens but I don't have to take it all on and I don't have to always be available. And that's so freeing to be able to say like, yeah, I'm just not in this space to be able to do that. Um, and not feel bad about it because guilt is also something that a lot of people pleasers feel when they do try to set boundaries or when they do try to, um, share, you know, an opinion or a feeling it's that guilt of like, oh my gosh, like I just created this mess. It must be my fault. Um, and so I'm, I'm thankful to not experience that. Um, so people who are in the people pleaser department lack healthy boundaries. Um, and I would encourage you to go and listen to my, um, episode on boundaries, um, for a simple list of what it looks like. What does it mean to lack boundaries? Um, and what does it mean if I want to create boundaries? Um, I love the book Boundaries by Dr. Cloud and Dr. Townsend. Um, and they have done a great job of kind of laying it all out. It is a faith-based book. So there is a chapter on, on that and it's kind of intertwined in the whole book. But so if you're listening and that's not your jam, that's okay. Um, but I think it still really gives a good layout of what it looks like to not have boundaries, the myths of setting boundaries, and how to set them. I think it gives a really good starting off point. Um, and so what ends up happening when you lack boundaries, and they say this in the book, um, it's one of my favorite quotes, is that you'd be surprised at how many people respond positively well. This isn't a verbatim quote, but this is what they're saying. Um, when you have boundaries, people are actually pretty responsive when you say, you know what, no, this doesn't work for me. And they're like, okay, you know. Um, and But the people who are not 
okay with it are the people who've been benefiting from you not having any. And that doesn't come from the book. That comes from another, um, uh, like, psychotherapist who does a lot of work on boundaries. And I can't remember her name in this current moment. But um, so, you know, with people pleasing, you'll find that a lot of people do um, use your willingness to help or willingness to do things or willingness to say yes to everything um, because it benefits them. And I know that makes it sound like they're these terrible human beings, but a lot of things we do, um, it, it's not something that we're truly aware of. Um, and sometimes people, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people out there who they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly how it benefits them and they're willing to take what they can get. And then there's some people who through their own, you know, family issues or the way that they were raised have adopted these, what they call maladaptive behaviors, um, as a way of surviving. And so we just kind of all get intertwined. And as Meredith Gray would say, we get really dark and twisty, um, in just the way that we have learned to interact with each other. And that's why it's so important to, um, to evaluate yourself and go, okay, like, ugh, I don't know if this is working for me anymore. You know, this is affecting my marriage or this is affecting the way that I feel about myself. Um, we all have something, <laughs> we all have something, no one's perfect. Um, so again, people who lack boundaries or have very little boundaries are often also people pleasers. Um, there are a group of people who lack boundaries who are the opposite of people pleasers. Um, but that's for another time. Um, so for people who are also people pleasers, the focus tends to be around taking care of others. Um, very little is focused on the effect that it has on themselves, at least in that moment. Because again, the, the, the need that's being met is being met by someone external from them. Um, and, and so, you know, um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, so the focus is always going to be on taking care of, of other people and what you can do for other people so that they're happy with you so that they think, you know, positive things about you, um, and I'm sure there's a huge, a huge list of other attributes, but the last one that I'm going to share is that um, people pleasers tend to always apologize. Um, they do that uh, almost instinctively as a way to alleviate potential conflict um, because most people pleasers, if you're an Enneagram 9, I think it is, and I don't really know much about it, but I do know a 9 tends to be more of a peacemaker or a people pleaser Um apologizing is something that it just rolls off your tongue without even thinking about it. Um, and I'll give you an example of, um, something that my mom shared with me is that when you're in a grocery store and you're pushing a cart and, um, I don't know if she was, it was directed towards me or something that she noticed about herself, or I'm not really sure the origin of how this conversation came about, but how when you come out of um, an aisle or you're going into an aisle and you almost run into someone, um, I know I would always say, oh, I'm sorry. Even though, like, really, was it something I needed to apologize for? Um, and it really, you know, that's something that I always think about now when I'm, when I'm grocery shopping or I'm at Target is... Obviously, if I'm not paying attention, uh, maybe I'm on my phone or I'm, you know, interacting with the kids or something and I, and I do almost run into someone that warrants an apology, but to constantly be saying that, um, is, it's not always necessary. Um, but in an effort to, again, avoid conflict, avoid someone having a negative emotion about me, right? Um, people who care what other people think so much that so much weighs on, you know, it almost paralyzes people because they're like, I can't make decisions because I'm afraid, you know, what so-and-so is going to think or 
that that's what I'm talking about. Um, and so again, people pleasing, those people tend to, uh, we tend to apologize a lot for things that we don't even need to apologize for. And so that's just kind of a, a shortened list. Um, I'm sure maybe if this is something that kind of you, that resonates with you, maybe there's something that you do, um, that, you know, you can recognize. So where does this come from? Where, where does it, where, what is at the root of our people pleasing? Um, typically most often in my professional experience, it typically comes from a critical, uh, caregiver who is like a main or a primary caregiver. So, Maybe you lived in a house, but and you had both parents there. Maybe one parent was really critical. And when I say critical, like they did lack a filter. There was a lack of empathy or a lack of an ability to, um, it was just harsh and kind of judgy. Um, and I know there's, there's a, there's a generation where that, you know, that was a really big deal. Um, especially previous generations, you know, being, uh, emotionally aware isn't, isn't always something either generationally or culturally that is important. And I would say, you know, in the last five to 10 years, we've been fortunate, um, to have, this is where social media is really great is that there is a, a little bit of a normalizing of the, uh, you know, emotions and family of origin things, um, that it's given us space to be able to kind of process through this, which is just a, a beautiful thing. So typically what I have seen when I have someone comes in, who comes into my office, who feels the need to please others. Um, and that is how they in turn feel loved, cared for, secure. Um, it typically has come from a highly critical, uh, parent or primary caregiver that could be a grandparent, that could be, you know, someone, maybe you weren't raised by your, your parents, maybe you were raised by grandparents or aunts or uncles. Um, but at some level, right, in those um, early attachment years, and even later on, um, you interacted with someone who was highly critical. The other place it can come from is, um, being in an environment where conflict is really high. Um, so a lot of arguing, a lot of yelling, right? So high intensity environments. Um, this could include, you know, an environment where maybe you had a parent or a primary caregiver who had substance abuse issues, um, who, you know, was an alcoholic, um, you know, right. So, so we're talking about, it's just kind of a pattern that's been, you know, passed along, um, because no doubt they had wounds of their own. Right. Um, so high conflict environment, uh, past trauma. So certain traumatic, um, and I think a high conflict environment could fall potentially under a trauma um, umbrella, but I like to leave it separate because I like to leave space for, um, the other pieces of trauma. Um, so people who have been sexually abused, um, physically abused, those sorts of things, um, that it really has its own, um, impact. Um, but people pleasing tends to be a, a survival response out of that. And, um, so I'm not sure if any of you are listening, if that is true for you, I would highly, highly, highly encourage you to connect with a mental health professional around that because, um, as I'm sure you know, that's just super deep as with anything. I obviously am a biased person because I am, I'm a therapist, but I just, I truly believe in doing the work, um, so how, how people-pleasing tends to manifest, um, I know I talked a little bit about 
um, some of that, but I have a couple more notes. Um, so, so I talk about, you know, never saying no and always willing to help and avoiding negative emotions and, um, you know, lacking some boundaries. Um, this can also manifest in anxiety, right? So people pleasers tend to be high on the anxiety, um, spectrum. I think it's always important to remember that Just because you have anxiety, you could be somewhere in the mild area, moderate or severe, right? Depression, mild, moderate, severe. Those are, those are measures that we use, um, in the mental health field. So it's really important to think about, um, those kinds of labels on, on almost a spectrum because it, it is so different for everybody. Um, but People who are people pleasers, people who are people pleasers, tend to um, struggle with anxiety, right? They're always stressed. They're easily derailed. They have a need for control because, um, and this typically, I see this manifest a lot in their later years. So um, not adolescent years. Um, in the adolescent years, they're, um, they're looking at this more of like, oh, my, you know, like, I, I can't, you know, do anything right. They haven't quite formed the idea of like, oh, I'm a people pleaser and this is what it is. So you see this, I see this a lot. Um, and I know I saw it in myself a lot in the later years where it, 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 because I've been able to form and, um, get an idea of where it comes from. Um, it, it has manifested in, in anxiety for, for most of my life. Um, but I, I always thought of it as separate things. And so it, I, a lot of people who are people pleasers tend to, to have symptoms of anxiety or symptoms of depression. Um, you know, that pressure to kind of keep it all together facade, uh, because you don't want someone to have negative emotion about you is it's a lot. Or, um, when someone criticizes you, it, you, it takes you a while to get over it. Maybe it takes a few days, a few weeks, or it's something that you've continued to hold on to. And I think that's something that, uh, gosh, it's just, it wreaks havoc on your life. It is so unhealthy to, you know, hold grudges or, or have resentments. Um, people who are people pleasers and who haven't done the work, a lot of them tend to be full of resentment because they've spent years, you know, tending to other people and they're wanting something in return, but they've never voiced it. It's never been safe to voice it, or they've never really acted on that. And so then all of a sudden now they have resentment and now you're starting to engage in passive aggressive behaviors or communication. Um, as a result, right? I, I don't think that it's necessarily like, oh, well, I, you know, I like well thought out. It, it truly is an emotional reactivity to having unmet needs. Um, and I talk about needs and I mean, in almost every area, because as humans, that is truly, truly something that needs to be addressed for all of us. It's, it's the, I think a huge source of all of our emotional, um, issues. So, um, when we are people pleasers, again, we suppress our feelings. We don't share our opinions. We have little to, you know, no boundaries. We have a little sense of self. We are so focused on, and you see this in the later years, right? So focused on pouring into other people and doing things for other people. Um, and I see, I see this happen a lot in my practice where, you know, I'll have someone who comes in, we've identified that this is a struggle and you see them kind of bouncing around from identity to identity, right? Like, oh, I'm going to do this for work or I'm going to do this for, you know, a job or this is, you know, a style, right? Like they're searching for themselves. And I can tell 
when they're doing that, that that tends to be because they're really struggling with who they are. And when you spend, you know, most of your life, please trying to please other people, you don't know who you are. Um, and others really don't get to know who you are because right. How, how others learn about us is what we share, what we show them. And when you're a people pleaser, you tend to only show the good parts, right? Because you're, you're trying to avoid any sort of negative emotion. Um, so, and because of that, right, the desire to be liked is so, it's so strong. Um, it's so strong. And we're willing to forego, you know, our own compassion, our own um, self-care in an effort to be liked. And that is, that again, where it's really, really, really unhealthy. So... Um, I want to wrap this up because I, I like to keep these short. I like to keep them, you know, tangible. Sometimes they're my random thoughts, but, um, so how do we move away from this? Right. Um, what I, what I don't encourage and I see happen so often. And to me, this is an indication, even though it's probably an attempt, but it's not an indication of, of being healthy is when you see people go from, people-pleasing behavior and they kind of swing the pendulum to the opposite side, right? So there's this polarizing experience happening where they are in a state of, well, I don't care what other people think, right? I'm going to be who I am and I don't care. And I know that's coming from a place of like they've they've housed or or contained these parts of themselves for so long, it's coming from a place of hurt. It's coming from a place of, of anger and, um, but it's not healthy, right? It's not healthy to go, okay, I didn't have any control or any, you know, no one was acknowledging any, any of this about me. And so now I'm going to go to this other space where I just don't care. And I'm going to say what I want and I'm going to lack a filter. Well, you're still lacking a filter. You're still lacking boundaries. You're still lacking respect for yourself and for others. And that my friends is, it's just not, not healthy. It's truly a sign of emotional reactivity. And frankly, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very childlike behavior. Um, and so that's just something I would urge you if you find yourself kind of in that space, um, it's, it's, that's not, it's, it's a good step, I guess, to create awareness and that you don't want to be this people pleaser anymore, but to swing all the way across. And now all of a sudden you're in this space of, I don't care. It's, it's, that is not the road to being emotionally healthy. Um, it's important to remember that you didn't get this way overnight, right? A lot of times the things that we struggle with, they're so deep, deeply ingrained in, you know, our development and who we, um, who we started, you know, who we believed ourselves to be, right? And that's usually because of of experiences, things that were spoken over us, things that we spoke over ourselves as a result, right? That narrative um, I talk about all the time where we believe something about ourselves be- because of an environment or because of something someone said about us. Um, and narrative therapy is, is beautiful work um, for that to, to kind of acknowledge that, um, honor that, but also rewrite your story um, with the truth. And so remember that we didn't get this way overnight. So when you're, you're trying to move away from this, you, you have to think that this is going to take time. It's going to take work. Um, I worry about people who, again, we, we are in, in practice, we are able to see this and all of a sudden I see them, you know, two sessions later and, it's like a, a switch has flipped and I ask more questions because what I'm concerned about is creating another facade, right? Creating another, another facade that, um, well, I used to be a people pleaser and this is what I'm doing now, 
but really, have you really done the work? Have you healed where that comes from? Have you, have you changed the, the narrative about yourself because of those experiences? And I, I can spot it like nobody's business. Um, and that's why that root work is so, so important because I know what that's like to just want to be out of that discomfort so quickly that you kind of, you know, put a bandaid on it and move on. And let me tell you, it, it really, it, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, remember, we all, this is what I share in, in therapy with clients is that when we do the work, it's something we have to actively practice all the time, right? Um, one of the things I'll give you as an example, it's not as relatable, but accepting compliments was always very difficult for me. And so um, I would shy away or di- you know, disagree with that person, right? Because it was very uncomfortable for me to accept compliments. And so one of the things I had to put into practice is when someone would pay me a compliment, I would look at them in the eyes and say, thank you, right? Not try to justify it, not try to, you know, but just to say thank you. And every single time that came up, it's almost like I had to stop myself and whisper to myself, just say thank you, right? So, so part of all of this is that we have a default setting. We have this, this narrative, this set of beliefs about ourselves. It runs so deep and so we have to constantly be practicing what we learn um, because you're unlearning behavior, right? You're unlearning these, these ways of doing things. And so we have to be on top of it. Now, is this always going to be the way it is? No, for a lot of us, it, it, it then that kind of new way of thinking and that new way of living takes over. But at the beginning and for a while you do, you have to practice. Um, self-awareness is absolute key in, in any, in wanting to change anything about yourself, right? If you want to change, um, you know, your ways of eating, you first have to acknowledge, right? That the way you are currently eating is not the best way. When we are people pleasers and we want to change that, we need to be able to acknowledge Um, that it's not healthy and be really honest and open about the ways that we people please, maybe even identifying the people that we tend to do it most with. For some people, it's not everybody. It's very selective, right? Maybe those really strong personalities. Um, I know for, for me, like I mentioned earlier, it was really, People who really had a very strong opinion um, and weren't always open to hearing other opinions or or being able to say, wow, that's your experience, like really acknowledging someone else's experience. Those are the people I tend, I, I would tend to want to please the most because they were the hardest to please. Um, and so one of the things when you're, you know, starting to to move away from this is to identify maybe who those people are in your life, identify the behaviors that coincide with your, your need to please others. Thinking about the root of this, right? Who, where did this start? Right. If you can pinpoint where it started, right? Maybe it was something someone said to you, um, or something you heard over and over as a child, you're able to identify that route, then you can really start the work on rewriting that narrative about really who, who are you, right? If someone told you, you were a terrible human being and always were selfish, right? You're so selfish. Maybe that's something you heard. And so your whole, the whole rest of your life, you're like, well, I don't want to be selfish. So now I'm going to be just so giving and so right over the top and pleasing others. And now it's to the detriment of even more things in your life. We need to go back to, okay, who spoke that over you, right? Who said you were selfish? When did you come to believe that about yourself? And we do the work to rewrite, right? That that belief that you have about yourself, that you're a selfish person. And then we start to look at the facts and the the reality of 
how things have transpired in your life and how, you know, people pleasing has, has had a negative impact and right. So we can get your needs met now. Um, I do think it's important to go back and is, is uncomfortable as some of that is it's, it's so important to go back and dig it up because if you don't dig up the root, that weed will grow back. And I mean, weed like, you know, like a plant (laughs) or you know what I mean? Um, I just had a mom moment right now. Um, my mom says funny things like that anyways. So like the root in, you know, in a garden or, um, it's a, it's kind of a pester. It's annoying. It's right. It kind of takes over. If we don't dig that up, then it's just right. It, it's just going to create new leaves. It's just going to pop right back up. So super, super, super important. Um, learning what it means to be authentic and live an authentic life, um, is, is really important. Brittany Brown's work on authenticity and vulnerability is also a really great place to start. Um, there is a book that she wrote I and mean, she's read, written several, several books, but one of the best books that I've ever read of hers is called the gifts of imperfection. And I think for people pleasers, that's a really great place to start. Um, it gives you some ideas and, and, and ways that you can reflect on, on yourself. Um, but I would highly, highly suggest that book for anybody. Um, but if you are a people pleaser, again, Brene Brown, um, if you don't know who that is, um, one, we gotta, we gotta lift the rock you've been hiding under because she's phenomenal and, uh, just, I just, I think she's wonderful. Um, but two, we gotta get you that book. So the gifts of imperfection. Um, so another, another, so you're, you're asking all these questions, right? And thinking about all of these things, um, there are, there's, obviously I really, if this is a deep issue or if there's, there's significant pains and hurts, I would absolutely highly, highly, highly suggest, um, talking to a professional who works with people who, um, have this kind of healing work to do. Um, if you have trauma, physical, sexual, emotional, connect with someone who works with trauma. Um, cause they, there's so much that, that is compounded on top of that. And someone who specializes in that is going to be able to walk you through that. Um, just with a different set of lenses on, um, in these situations and in a lot of, um, behavior things, right? Like maladaptive behaviors that we have kind of taken from childhood and taken into adulthood. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on the inner child and basically reparenting ourselves. And, um, that's a, a piece of work that I do with a lot of clients, um, is help is re reparenting and working on the inner child work. It's beautiful work. It's super deep. It's super extensive. Um, but it's phenomenal. If you are not familiar with inner child work or reparenting, um, and you're just not sure about therapy quite yet, um, you can look up the holistic psychologist on Instagram. Um, she has really, I mean, that is pretty much all she does. Um, but she has really good insight as to what that kind of work entails and what it looks like. Um, I'm not sure where she is, um, like what state she practices in. Um, but that's just a really good place to start if you're kind of wanting to dip your toes into it. Um, and so with all that, I think getting help or getting, you know, someone you can kind of run this by and, and bounce it off of is really helpful. Um, the skills that you learn, you're going to have to put into practice every day. This isn't something that you just, you know, okay, great. I have, I've acknowledged this and now my life is going to be different. Um, there is a lot of work that goes into it, but it is so freeing and so rewarding to live outside, um, the perception of needing to please other people or, um, 
that that your worth and your who you are um is measured upon whether or not someone is happy with you or thinks that you're wonderful or right like sees you in a good light our worth is not based upon that it's it's so much more um and i think that's why i really wanted to share this piece and share this um experience because for so many of us this is it's intrinsic and it's so deeply rooted in in our who we are and um but the work is it's so worth it so if you have any questions or you know something I didn't share or cover, um, feel free to reach out to me, um, through, through, I think you can do it through these podcast, um, platforms. Um, but it's something that I, I just really want to encourage people to, to do the work, um, so that you can live, you know, your best life. And that's what the goal is, right? Is, is that we all can be free of some of these, these, narratives or lies that we have come to believe about ourselves so that we can live free and and be fulfilled by other things. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I know it's heavy. I it's heavy for me. Um but it's also exciting because my hope is that someone hears this and they can identify this about themselves and say, you know what, enough. Like I'm, I'm ready to, to really, truly know what it means to heal and to be free from, you know, this, this way of living, um, and, and be seen, right. Be seen and heard for who you are and not engage in behaviors out of fear. So I hope you're all having a great week and make it a great day. You've been listening to the Fancy Meeting You Here podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you loved it, the best thing that you can do is to share it with someone else who you think would love it too. You can also find me on Instagram at Fancy Meeting You Here.